Hey everyone, and thanks for tuning in to this week's message. My name's Aaron, and I'm on the staff team here at Eastlake. Everything we do around here depends on the generous donations of our local and online community. People just like you, who tune into these messages and see great benefit from living that idea that life is a gift and love is the point. So if you love what Eastlake is up to, we'd encourage you to contribute by going to eastlakecc.com. With that, let's jump into this week's message. Today, we hear from Bethel Lee as she continues our series, Everyday Spiritual Practices. Please check the description for links to our quarterly Spotify playlist and guided meditation. Hey there, it's Bethel again. And again, there is no Sony today, so I will try again next week. But welcome to session number three, Asking, the Spiritual Practice of Desiring. I'm sure many of you know who Rob Bell is, yeah? Uh, Well, about seven years ago, Dave and I were surfing side by side with Rob Bell in the ocean off the coast of Laguna Beach. Not because we're friends, but because we paid to be there with him on this two-day retreat that he was hosting. And we decided to go on this retreat. I asked Dave if we could go on this retreat because I was not doing well. Had not been doing well for about three years, maybe longer. And in particular, I was struggling a lot with the misalignment I felt in being a congregational minister, which I've spoken about in some other talks. So I was going on three years of really struggling with this and starting to feel like a shell of a person, going through the motions, pretending to be someone I wasn't, you know, three plus years of trying to stop the leaking, the way my life energy felt like it had been seeping away from me. And though the reasons for my sadness, my discontent, were likely bigger than just my vocation, it did feel like the unease that I felt with my identity as a minister had a lot to do with the leaking. So I had, after a lot of work, um, finally mustered up most of the courage, almost all of the courage that I needed to leave my job to leave congregational ministry. But I was still a little bit scared to pull the plug. So I decided to go on this retreat as my like final Hail Mary to give me, hopefully, I hoped, the confirmation that I needed to lock in my decision. Would two days with Rob Bell magically re-inspire me to do the right thing, what I thought was the right thing, which is to be the minister I believed everybody wanted me to be? Or would this retreat give me the peace for me to do what I really desired, um, which was to resign from my job? Now, if you're familiar with Rob Bell, then you know how this guy just exudes contentment and this like giddy happiness 
it's no wonder that his last, I believe, speaking tour was all about joy because that is something he just has in spades. He just seems to innately and consistently be joyful. Now, if any of you are familiar with not being that kind of person, with being the other kind of person, the discontent and unhappy kind, then you know how hard it is to be around happy people when you're not feeling so happy. So on this retreat, I wasn't really able to receive that much because in my very unhappy state, I found that I just kept getting triggered by his joy. Now I was a pretty darn happy baby and kid and youth, but in many different ways, clinical depression has had a pretty big presence in and around my life. And over time, I feel like it just kind of grew on me. I took a liking to it. And though I myself um, am not clinically depressed or haven't been diagnosed as such, I lean that way. I kind of feel like it runs in my blood. Koreans actually have a term for this. It's a very uniquely Korean term. There's no English equivalent. And it's called Han. In short, rage and regret. But it's kind of hard to explain. It's this uh, concept of this deep internal sorrow, resentment, grief, regret, and anger that um, Koreans believe that we kind of just all share like this collective trauma that we have from years and years and years of oppression and struggle. And so this Han just kind of simmers uh, in all of us and sometimes explodes. So I feel like that's in my bones, in my blood. And I think it really got turned on for me. Um, my turning point toward toward this was when I started graduate school, I believe in 2005. That's really when I started to lean into negativity, pessimism, anxiety, gloom, and doom. And for many, if you grow up with depression in or around you, even if you don't like feeling negative, pessimistic, anxious, gloomy and doomy, over time it can start to feel quite safe to be in this realm. Because if nothing else, it's familiar and predictable and it has a protective quality to it as well. It crystallizes this barrier between you and other people as you emit this do not enter, do not say hello to me aura, which keeps people at a safe distance. It keeps you safe from potential disappointments and hurts that you could experience if you risked the vulnerable act of hoping, trying, and desiring. And it's tempting to remain in this gloom and doom realm because there's this superiority effect that happens where you feel like, well, 
I may be sad, but at least I'm smarter than those dumb, dumb, happy people over there who don't realize how horrible and terrible the world really is. And there's a number of different pockets of the population that try to keep people in this gloomy realm for different reasons. But one population that I'm familiar with is the Christian one, and certain wings of Christianity are very guilty of doing this. I think one of the best things about the Christian tradition is the unapologetic wisdom it has to offer regarding suffering, how it teaches us that suffering and pain are an integral part of life. And I'm no fan of the prosperity gospel, which is the other extreme, I'd say. But I've witnessed and personally been influenced by all the ways that Christian folks can kind of start to idolize suffering and demonize happiness. And I think this is for a lot of reasons, one of which is that if you were brought up in Western Christianity in North America, the kind of religious ethos that we received was heavily filtered by the Puritans. And without going into a whole history lesson about them, let's just say that they were not interested in having any fun. So if you grew up in these kinds of circles, uh, you might have also noticed, like I did, how Christianity can become, for some, this safe place for those who don't like happiness, who are suspicious of it, annoyed by it, because they secretly desire it, but are too afraid to hope for it. So, during these three years of me struggling, I got so worn out and so sick of being sad that one day when I was in my small group, I brought up the topic with the group um, and I just told them how sick I was of feeling sad and how I was starting to feel tempted to believe that happiness actually matters. And our small group leader responded to me by saying, I don't think God wants us to be happy. I think God wants us to be grateful. Which is something that an unhappy person like me would have generally agreed with. But a part of me has started to doubt the truth of that statement. A, start, a part of me started to believe that happiness joy, whatever you want to call it, that feeling that I hope we all can identify or recognize of being open and connected and hopeful, that feeling that you can trust your desires, that you can ask for what you desire, in my case, to be happy, um, to connect with joy. I started wondering if possibly, you know, that could be the truth, that Happiness matters. Now, let me defend my fellow pessimists for a moment and say that there are gifts that we have to offer. We are generally very honest, blunt in fact. We remind our communities to honor grief and lament and not just race past them or deny them. 
we help purge our communities of easy answers and minimizing tropes, you know, one-liners that some people try to use to diminish deep pain. And we make sure that happiness doesn't become the only goal, that it has its place. But the God that I believe in, the reality that I believe in, I just don't see how it would be pleasing to the source of life and love for anybody to be miserable. That just doesn't resonate as true for me. And I know that the word happy uh, can rub people the wrong way, uh, especially grumpy folks like me, um, because it sounds superficial and fleeting. So call it what you will. But at the end of the day, it's just kind of about this trust in goodness, this permission to align yourself with what you want and to enjoy the gift that is your life. All to say that I left the retreat with Rob Bell just as grumpy as I was when I got there, as I just needed more than two days to really thaw out my heart. But I did end up resigning from my job and there were two nuggets that I took from those two days that continued to work on me over the years and slowly, slowly, slowly helped me to pivot my life toward joy. The first nugget was this. So Luguna was the second time that I had ever surfed before and it was actually really fun because our teacher there did all of the hard parts of surfing for me. <laughs> he would swim me out to the ocean, which I found so difficult because these little arms weren't getting me anywhere. And then he would push me off at the right time. So he did all the hard parts for me. So it was a fun time. So there's a lesson there actually, you know, sometimes you gotta just let somebody help you out if they're willing, of course. If you wanna enjoy life more, be willing to accept the help of others. But uh, yeah, I was surprised that I had a good time surfing because I was not looking forward to it. Surfing was actually one of the reasons I didn't want to go on this retreat because I did not enjoy my first experience of surfing, which was years before in Hawaii. So if you've taken a beginner surfing class, then you've probably had a similar experience. But uh, for those of you who haven't, what happens is, it, what happened in my class anyway, is that first the teacher takes you out uh, toward the water, but you remain on the sand and everybody lays out their boards and then they teach you all of the basics and you practice popping up on uh, your board and getting your feet planted right and all of that before you go into the water. But the most important thing that my teacher told us was do not look where you do not want to go. And this was particularly important to emphasize um, for us because the beach that we were at, we had a whole bunch of rocks right next to us. Lots of big, sharp rocks on the beach over to the left um, if you're coming uh, toward the shore. So uh, our teacher, you know, told us that when humans are scared, they tend to look at the thing that they're afraid of. 
but if you're on a surfboard whatever you look at your body will shift in that direction and you'll coast right to it so do not look at the rocks said my teacher don't focus your attention on where you do not want to go well i was scared of them rocks so when i popped up on my board for the first time in the water and the waves were really choppy and it was really disorienting as i had no muscle me memory for what i was doing it kind of reminded me of driving a car for the first time all i did was make sure that i didn't look at the rocks so as i turned my head to the right my eyes clocked into a little boy sitting on his surfboard in the water and i just coasted straight toward him i could not look away somebody was taking photos of this that i saw afterwards and in one of the pictures you can see two surfing teachers just looking at me shaking their head so i tried one more time got on the board again and the exact same thing happened with the exact same boy i ran right to him and at the last minute one of the teachers actually was able to like kick the front of my board out of the way so that i wouldn't hit him so the kid was fine and I did not want to surf anymore until Laguna where I actually had a good time because I was able to stop looking in the direction that I did not want to go and that lesson just continued to work on me over the years and I just thought a lot about how much I had done this in my life by being too afraid to want what I want, to ask for what I want, and to move in the direction of my desires. Instead, I did the opposite so many times. So just remember that when you keep staring at the car crash, you're more likely to get in one yourself, right? So not look at where you do not want to go. Well, hey everyone, excuse the interruption for a quick minute. Uh, my name is Kristen. I'm one of the team members here at Eastlake, and we're so glad that you're joining us today on the podcast. Um, it's been so encouraging for us to hear stories from people all over the country and the world who are listening to these messages and resonating with this idea that we um, just keep saying over and over again, which is life is a gift and love is the point, and that we are all committed to being a beneficial presence in our own community. So thanks for joining us. I hope that that's resonating with you. Um, it's just really fun for us. So wanted to also say thank you to those of you who contribute this place. All of these things that we do are happening because of people who make consistent, um, even just small consistent gifts. Um, it helps us plan. It helps us know that there are really people behind us who want this thing to continue. So thank you to those of you who do that. If you haven't had a chance to give yet, I would encourage you to maybe think about doing that if you find this beneficial in your own life. Um, to make a contribution, it's really easy. You can go to eastlakecc.com and there's a donate button there with all the info. So thanks so much for tuning in. Let's get back to the message. So we had some opportunity to ask Rob questions. I think there was something like, I can't remember if it was 50 people or 100 people. I want to say 50, it was like 50 of us. And 
we're able to have some open conversation. And I don't remember the context of this, but it was something like Rob had just told a story about, I don't remember what the point was, but it, it was about a Mont Blanc pen. And in the story, he like really, really wants this amazing Mont Blanc pen and somehow he gets it. It was something like that. And again, I was just triggered, triggered once again by his ability to just embrace uh, good things and joy and all of that because I had such the opposite experience in my life. In my life, when I was ordained as a minister, uh, a, a friend of my parents actually gifted me with a Mont Blanc pen that I never ever used because I felt all this guilt about like, what the heck, why should a minister have a Mont Blanc pen? I had all that kind of stuff going, chatter going on in my head and all these things. So I just never felt comfortable using this pen. I didn't want to use it and somebody look at me using it and think, oh, she's the kind of person who would buy a Mont Blanc pen. Anyways, I had all these issues about my Mont Blanc pen. And in some, I was asking Rob some question and, and that came up, that, that part of the story came up. And he just looked at me with um, compassion, not impatience, but like this compassionate, a compassionate firmness, I'd say. And he said, use the pen. Okay, you're good, now you can go. That's what you came here for, use the pen. And again, he wasn't being mean, he wasn't telling me to leave, but he was just saying, hey, if that's all you take with you, that's enough. You obviously need to learn to use the pen. And that, so again, that was years and years ago, and I have only used the pen twice, I tried and I used it twice. I used it once to sign the contract with my agent and I used it once to sign another contract that was important to me. And then I busted it out a month ago to fill out my absentee voters ballot for the election that's happening as we speak right now. And guess what? The pen wouldn't work. The pen dried up because I didn't use it enough because I only used it twice because I was being too precious about it, because I was saving it for what? Because I was worried about what other people would think. You know, sometimes we're given things in life that we didn't even ask for. We're given a gift. I mean, your whole life is a gift. All the little and big things that make you you are gifts. And if you don't enjoy them, if you don't use them, they'll dry out. What a waste. So, use it, don't lose it, folks. And with that very original line, let's move on to our time of journaling. So please grab your journal and a pen, maybe a Mont Blanc pen, a paper, uh, or just paper and, or a pencil, whatever. Something to write with and something to write on. Okay, your first journaling prompt is, as a child, I was happiest when. Remember to pause me as much as you need to. Number two, as a child, I was made to feel guilty for feeling happy by Number three, I feel most pessimistic about. Number four, 
Number four, when I feel pessimistic, I tend to... Number five, the last time I felt deeply happy... And number six, if I were to be completely honest, I secretly desire. And when you're ready for it, here are your questions, prompts for your circle work, for your group or partnered discussions. Number one, are you more afraid of being happy or are you more afraid of being sad? Why? How does this show up in your life? Number two, if you gave yourself the permission, what would you dare to feel hopeful about in your life? And number three, do you feel able to ask God or the universe or others for what you want and why or why not? Okay, so now we're going to do a little spiritual practice together. And for this, you do need something. You need something like Play-Doh. So if you're a parent, I'm sure you have so many things in the house you can choose from. If not, um, just anything that you can like squish in your hands, mold around, it could be wet sand, it could be wet flour, it could be, if you don't have anything that squishy, it could be even just like a bunch of rags or something that you can build with. So building or squishing, anything like that. So please take a moment to go collect your item. And and please, please try this. Uh, you know, I think our ego's desire to feel cool gets in the way of so much goodness. So just if you feel that coming up and you're like, I don't want to do that. That's not cool. Just tell that ego to simmer down and just give it a shot. Just play along with me for just a little bit. Won't take long. And if you aren't ready, like you don't have your squishy thing yet, um, then I would just turn this off and come back when you do instead of listening to this all and then trying it later. It, it works much better, I think, if you experience it uh, in the moment for the first time as you're hearing me giving you guidance. So when you are ready, just start squishing your material in your hands. Um, I'll probably just call it clay, but whatever it is that you have. Just warm it up in your hands, make it malleable. First, we're going to build a little idol. Not so that you can worship it, but because you already do. And so we just want to identify what that is. And what I mean by worship is that you're giving your attention to it. You're thinking about it a lot or all the time. It's the thing that takes up space in your mind and your lives and it doesn't deserve to. So, you know, just in thinking about um, 
that surfing analogy like where are you being that bad surfer in your life like where does your mind and attention keep going to that you don't want it to almost like a trance so as you build and again put me on pause as much as you need to but it you can you can build a symbol it can be abstract or it can be literal whatever you're making but just something a little idol that represents something that you don't want to worship anymore that you don't want to give your precious attention and your life energy to any anymore in the way that you have been so put me on pause and come back when your idol is ready now with your idol in your hands just look at it just look at your idol as you hear me speak as you look at your idol think about all the precious hours this idol has taken from you all your precious energy think about the stress and suffering that it's caused needlessly Look at how small your idol is. Consider how much bigger and stronger you are than it. Acknowledge and really let this sink in. You are its creator you have the power to give life and you have the power to take it away and now with compassion thank your little idol because we don't create idols for no reason it was serving some kind of purpose. It just isn't powerful enough to really solve your problem. But thank it for trying. It was just trying. Now take a deep breath and squish your idol squish 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 and every time that you start to trance back your attention to this or another idol just remember this feeling of squishing it just squish squish remember that you can just squish squish and start again okay now start to play around with your clay or material again start squishing it around making it malleable we are now going to make an icon icons are something that help us connect with something 
bigger, the things that draw us toward God in the Byzantine tradition, for instance, uh, those paintings, we are to look at them um, in a meditative way because they help draw us toward God, help us draw us toward something bigger. And I believe that anything that you truly desire, not with craving and ego, but when desire comes from the deep wellspring of your soul, I believe that it ultimately connects you with the bigness of life, with God, if that's your language. And I believe that when you move toward your desire, um, something is created there that then becomes an icon for others. It becomes a way for other people to connect with something bigger, to connect with God through your offering that is a consequence that is birthed out of you embracing your desire. So as you play around with your clay, your material, start thinking about what gives you hope. Think about what makes you laugh. Think about what makes you feel loved. Now I'm going to ask you a question and I want you to respond with your hands. What do you want? Make a symbol, a figure, again, abstract or literal, that represents your answer to this question. What do I want? Don't judge it. Don't shy away from it. Just start to manifest right in front of you what you want. And put me on pause and then come back when your little icon is ready. Now look at your icon and look at how cute it is. You don't have to be afraid of your desires. Think about how unfortunate it would be to hide this precious creation from the world. It wants to live, it wants to do good. Think about how you have the power to give it life. To turn nothing into something. And think about how it always starts out small. A mustard seed, if you will. So don't be discouraged by its size. Now this thing that you want, if you got it, what would be different about you? Start to explore and discern 
the root of this desire. What is the feeling that you would gain if you received this or achieved this or had this? For instance, if your desire was money, what's at the root of that? Is it security? What's the feeling you want to feel? If your desire was a house, is it rootedness to the land or is it uh, a community? If your desire was like a relationship, is it belonging? Is it adventure? What's at the root of your desire? How would you feel if you had it? Now, once you have a word that describes the root of your desire, close your eyes. And think about a time in your life when you felt this feeling in a visceral way. A specific memory. Now in detail, replay that memory as you feel all the feelings that it brings. Smell the scents, see the colors, and when you get to the moment where you really feel that thing that you want, let it wash over you and like flow into you. Really feel it. Realize that this thing that you want, this feeling that you want so badly, you have it right now. In fact, you always have access to it. You just have to allow yourself to be open to receiving it, to experiencing it. You can open your eyes. Thank you for joining me today. And as you go from here, may you turn your gaze away from your fears May you live more days in the direction of your desires and may your life inspire more lives to do the very same. Thank you for joining us. To make a donation, head to eastlakecc.com donate.